Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Hey, good morning, TRC. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, last week we started a brand new series called Stories, and we're going to be looking at a few people and how it is that they began their relationship with Jesus, what Jesus did to get to them, or how they got to Jesus. And uh, last week I shared with you guys the story of the church, of our church, TRC, why we planted here, why uh, why we decided to stay here in this building, and a little bit of our strategy here. And, And if you weren't here, I'm sorry, it's not going to be on the podcast simply because I said a few things that I just don't want on the internet. Um, But uh, there's three things that I want to encourage you guys to do that I'm asking you to do as a church in partnering with us. Number one is be here. And congratulations, if you're sitting here looking at me right now, then you're here. You've already done step one. But step number two is we want to ask you to bring someone with you. Listen, I believe that God is doing something here. I believe that God is doing something in you. That's why you're here. So bring someone else along with you to be a part of that. And number three is get involved. I shared with you guys how we have more people serving and doing ministry in this church than we ever have before. And what's exciting about it is there's actually even more space and more opportunity for you to get involved. I'm not asking you to teach. I'm not asking you to preach. I'm just simply asking you to get involved some way, somehow. Serve, help out one way or another. Be here, you're here. Bring someone with you. Maybe you you already did, but hey, tell the person you brought, you got to bring somebody next week. And number three, get involved. Let's find our Bibles. Let's go to John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a very, um, very famous story, a very talked about story. I've heard many sermons throughout my lifetime told about this woman. We simply know her. We don't know her name, but she's known as the woman at the well. John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 26. John's going to be in the New Testament. If you hit Matthew, just keep going to the right. You'll hit Mark, Luke, and then there's John. Go a couple of pages, John chapter 4. We'll start reading in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There's a little bit of racism going on here between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to 
draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? A little bit of sarcasm here. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. We want to talk about that here in a little bit, but that statement reveals so much about her heart and reveals so much about her emotional state. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Verse 19, the woman said to, her, to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence. We ask you, God, that today you would just simply speak into our hearts, shake us, move us, help us understand that you're fighting for our hearts. You're coming after us. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. The very first thing that I want to point out to you guys is, is there, there is this tension between uh, Samaritans and Jewish people. And, and uh, Jesus is currently in the south in Judea, and he's, he's, gonna, he's trying to get north to Galilee. Well, right between Judea and Galilee is Samaria. And because of the tension, most Jewish people would actually go around, would go to the west and hit the Jordan River and go up that way and uh, to, to get into Galilee. They would completely bypass, adding days to their trip to not go through Samaria. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't go around. Man, I love that about Jesus. Is he doesn't go around the tough issues. He doesn't go around the hard-to-answer questions, but he goes right through them. And this is what I want us to understand is Jesus is willing to get messy to get to us. 
So the Bible tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus, he needed to go through Samaria. Now listen, I don't believe Jesus needed to go through Samaria because of a time crunch. I don't believe it was because he was running late. I don't think it was because he didn't have enough time. I believe that Jesus needed to go through Samaria, not because of a time issue, but because of that one woman that he knew he would meet sitting at that well with a broken heart, with a broken life, who needed hope. I want you to know that Jesus is willing to get messy to get to you. Jesus is willing to get messy to get to your family. Jesus is willing to get messy to get to your home and to your co-workers and to your friends. Don't ever think that we're too far away. Don't ever think that we've made too many mistakes to reach out and feel and touch and find the grace of Jesus because he is willing to get messy just to get to you. I absolutely love that. If we continue reading, so he comes, so he, so he decides he's going to travel through Samaria and he finally gets to Samaria. And once he gets to this well, he finds this woman and he says, Hey, you, give me, give me a drink. For his disciples, we're reading in verse 8, for his disciples, they, they'd already gone. They're, they're into the city. They're trying to buy some food. In verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Listen, I want you to know that Jesus, whenever he does come to you, whenever Jesus does find you, I want, to, I want you to know that he's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. You see, everything that she's saying is absolutely true. Jewish people and Samaritans had no dealings with each other. And this is not only the Jewish people and Samaritans not get along, but a man was not supposed to talk to a woman without her husband present. That's why actually later on, Jesus says, hey, bring your husband and then I'll explain all of this to you. Because that was tradition in those days is a man wasn't allowed to speak to a woman without her husband present. And much less a rabbi. See, Jesus was a rabbi, which basically means a traveling teacher. That's who Jesus was in, in his day. And uh, a rabbi, a teacher, would much less ever be uh, caught in any type of weird or compromising situation or even talking to, caught up in conversation with such a questionable woman. A woman that's had five husbands. And it's now living with someone who's not her husband. See, a rabbi wouldn't, wouldn't be caught in a conversation with someone like that. A rabbi wouldn't be caught around someone like that, wouldn't talk to, wouldn't look at, wouldn't, wouldn't give them the time of day. So Jesus here, he's, he's pushing her out of her comfort zone. She's been used to just being ignored. She's been used to people just kind of coming around and just going around her, not talking to her, not ever bring, asking her any questions, not asking her to do anything because nobody wanted to be associated with her. So she's getting a little bit outside of her comfort zone. But not only is she being pushed out of her comfort zone, but she's also being offended. I want you to know. Pastor Matt Brown, one of the guys that I love to listen to, he said, if you've never been offended by Jesus, it's because you're not listening. 
You see, Jesus tells us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And so Jesus here is not only pushing her outside of her comfort zone, but he's also actually offending her. Continue reading verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. See, she's offended because Jesus has asked her for something. But I want you to understand this. Jesus will never ask you to give more than he is willing to give. Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you give me a sip of water? And she gets all offended and, and wound up because Jesus is asking her for something. And then Jesus says, hey, but I'm willing to give you living water, something that's going to last so much longer than just a sip of water. And that's the way it is in our lives, man. Jesus asked us for something, but he never asked for more than what he's willing to give you. And we're not willing to give up some time. We're not willing to give up some finances, some resources, some, some fun or whatever it may be. And, and because we're, because we think Jesus is asking too much and we've got to understand that what Jesus gives us is so much greater than anything we could ever offer him. See, Jesus died for us. All he's asking is for us to live for him. Jesus took the cross. He took the beating. He's given so much more than what he has ever asked of you or me. Continue reading verse 11 through 15. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing. Listen to the sarcasm here. So she said, Jesus just said, hey, I'm going to give you living water. And she's thinking in the natural. And, and so she says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? All of the sarcasm in here saying, how could you even manage to bring, to give me any water? And then listen to what Jesus responds with. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, they'll thirst again. Basically saying, listen, lady, you're here today because you got thirsty again. You've already drank of this water and now you're thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, now listen, she gets serious now, sir. Give me this water, that I may not thirst. Listen to what she says. Nor come here to draw anymore. See, here's the deal. The reason she's here on this day in the middle of the hot, in the heat of the day, instead of with all of the ladies, is because all of the ladies know who she is. I know where she's been and what she's done. They know all of her history, all of her past. They want nothing to do with her. Not only do they know who she is, but 
She's also the butt of most jokes. She's talked about, she's gossiped about. Anytime she ever courts or dates or has a boyfriend, I, I can imagine, well, I wonder how long this one will last now. So she's here in the middle of the heat of the day, not because she wants to, but because that's the only way she can avoid all of the criticism and cynicism and, and the verbal abuse. So listen to her heart when she says, Jesus, sir, give me some of this water so that I don't have to come here anymore. So that I don't have to face this anymore. So I don't have to live through this anymore. Give me this water. I want you to know this. I want you to know that Jesus will use natural things in your life to point out or to teach you, show you spiritual truths. Jesus will use natural things, natural moments in your lives to reveal spiritual truths to us. That's what Jesus did, man. He uses basically the parable, the analogy of the living water with natural water. He says, if you drink of my water, you don't have to be ashamed anymore. You won't have to be afraid anymore. You won't be talked about anymore. And if you do, it won't bother you anymore. You'll find forgiveness and you'll find purpose and you'll find meaning. You'll find love. Jesus will use natural things around us to point out spiritual truths. Now listen to this, to what happens here. So, so she just asks, please give me of this water so that I may not thirst and so that I won't come here to draw anymore. And verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Now remember, men weren't allowed to talk to women without their husband present. So Jesus isn't just being a jerk here. He's legitimately saying, hey, bring your husband. The woman answered, verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. I want you to understand this. I've heard this message preached so many times, and I'm going to be honest. Most of the preachers I've heard talk about this passage and this scripture in, in, in general really make Jesus sound like a jerk. I don't think Jesus was being a jerk. I don't think Jesus was being sarcastic. I don't think that Jesus was reacting to her sarcasm. I think what Jesus was saying is, I know who you are. Because see, see just maybe this, this lady, this Samaritan woman throughout this whole time was just thinking, Maybe he's talking to me because he doesn't really know who I am. He's talking to me because he doesn't know my past, he doesn't know my mistakes, and, and, he's, and he's willing to continue in the conversation and dialogue with me because he just doesn't know. Jesus reads her cards, tells her her story. Again, he doesn't do it because he's a jerk. He's not trying to be a jerk to her. He's saying, I know who you are, and I love you anyways. Jesus knows the real you and still wants 
and loves you. Listen, a lot of people know the public you. You know, the public you, who you are at work or who you are at school or who you are at Walmart or at the dollar store. You know, everybody does a little one finger, three finger wave. Or if you're real excited, you know, the big wave while you're driving down the, down the road. Everybody knows that version of you. And a few people know the private you, who you are behind closed doors. You know, these, these would be your really, really, really close friends or your family, the people that you live with. Um, you know, they, they know who you really are for the most part. And then, but then there's a third side of you, and that's a secret you that nobody knows. The thoughts inside of your head that you wouldn't dare ever put into words, you'd never share with anybody because you know the judgment that would come upon you beautiful thing is God knows all three all three and he still loves you he still wants you that is beautiful it's beautiful now watch what this woman does. I, I, I kind of feel like we might be in Polk County here in this part because listen to what she says. Jesus just wrote or, or Jesus just read her cards. Jesus just basically t- let her know, listen, I'm having this conversation with you, not because, not blindly, not because I don't know who you are. I know exactly who you are and I still choose you. I still choose to have this conversation with you and listen to what she does. I, I, I feel like we're in Polk County whenever I read this. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then all of a sudden she gets religious on him. Check this out. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. She's asking, where should we worship? We do it here. They do it this way. And it cracks me up because how many times, I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it happens so often. It might just be because I'm the pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I, I, I don't know. But so oftentimes whenever I invite someone to church, all of a sudden they turn religious on me. All of a sudden they are like a master, they have like a doctorate in theology and they they know everything about the Bible and, and they know exactly how the church should be ran and how it should be governed and how uh, oh my goodness and I just laugh I just I just laugh at them I literally laugh at them because I never hear them talk about Jesus never hear them talk about the church but as soon as I invite them all of a sudden they know everything about church and they know everything about God everything about Jesus and I'm just like bro just live it out then just live it out just live it out then I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that's exactly what this lady's doing. And she, all of a sudden, she's confronted with truth. She's confronted with love. She's confronted with grace. And instead of accepting it, instead of embracing it, instead of just trying to live it out, she turns religious. She says, we worship over here. You guys say we should worship over there. And, and that's why, you know, that's why I don't go to church because y'all got a drum set. And, we, you know, y'all got a projector. And every now and then that preacher will get on the video. And that's just, that's just not of God. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's what she's doing. 
she gets religious. Now, I want you to know this. God doesn't care about rules. He doesn't care about traditions. What Jesus is concerned about, what he cares about, is actually not a what, but a who. And it is you. Not places, not things. He cares about you. Jesus goes on to explain that, you know, worship isn't about being on this mountain. It's not about being on that mountain. And he says, but you know what? The day's coming and it's now here when God the Father is going to look for those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Just basically saying people that actually do it in their heart, not out of obligation, not because they have to, not because it's tradition, not because we always turn to this page, not because we always do it this way, and but because I want to because it's born inside of me to worship. And then you know what this lady does? I love what the Samaritan woman does. She doesn't keep it to herself. She doesn't stay. With, she doesn't just stay with Jesus or just go home and go to her little hideout again. But what she does, is she goes back to town and she starts telling everybody about Jesus. She goes and starts telling everyone that she sees about this man who told her everything about her life and changed it. Remember, this is the lady that went to the well all by herself because she was ashamed to be around people. Now, all of a sudden, she won't shut up. She keeps talking to people, keeps telling people about Jesus. We pick it up, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, him being Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Here she was at first being secretive, at first not wanting anybody to know, trying to stay away from everybody, to now saying, hey, he told me everything without me ever telling him anything. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Check this out. Jesus, in a matter of moments, broke the racial tension, broke the racial divide. I believe we can do that for our nation if we would just love Jesus, if we would just follow Jesus. I believe we could break so many tensions, so many divides. In just a few moments, Jesus does this. And now they're begging this Jewish man to stay with them. So Jesus does for two days in verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. You see, Jesus can turn your messy story into a beautiful ending. And again, I feel like we're in Polk County whenever I read this story. Because she's going around letting everybody know, hey, she's basically saying, you all know how messy my story is anyways. I'm just going to go ahead and let God do something with it. And God gives her a beautiful ending. She's used to spread the message of the gospel, to share the message of Jesus, to spread it into a nation that wouldn't have heard about it. That's incredible. 
It's incredible what Jesus can do with your messy story. It's incredible what Jesus can do with your messy situation. He can give you a beautiful ending. But listen, listen, we're, we're, we're in Polk County. Everybody knows. Every, literally everybody knows. I don't know why we keep hiding. Everybody already knows. And if everybody already knows the dirty laundry, why don't we go ahead and let them see the beautiful ending? If everybody already knows how messy our situation and how terrible it got, why don't we let them know how good God is making it now? What if we let people know that? How much hope would that bring to someone? You don't know. You don't know whose life that could affect and whose life that could change for the good. Let's not, let's not hide. We don't have to air it out in front of everybody, but, but let's not be secretly. Let's not live in secrecy, but let's let God give us a beautiful ending and let's let God use our messy stories and turn them into beautiful stories. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we thank you so much this morning. Thank you for your presence, God. We ask you that you would move in this place. Help us to see what it is that you have done to get to us. Not only see what you've done to get to us, but God, help us to accept it, embrace it. We don't want to be bound by traditions and by rules and the way we dress, the way we should act, the way we should, none, none of that matters, God. What matters is that you love us and we love you back. God, we just ask that you would be in this place. God, Spirit, move right now. Here in a moment, here in a moment, we're going to pray. We're just going to ask God to move in us, to change us, to mold us, and to use our stories. So God, help every single one of us. Give us the grace and the strength that we need to be able to give our stories up to you, Jesus. Help us to understand that we can never give you more than what you've given us. Help us this day to decide to live our lives for you. Amen. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.thurmanmodelchurch.com.